Welcome to We Question and Learn. This is Tom Plies. We're celebrating our 18th year. We're on WQLN.org, of course, FM 91.3. We're on a dozen other podcast venues. Today, we have the Chief Executive Officer of the Erie County Redevelopment Authority, Tina Menjean. Nice to talk uh, to you again. It's always, yes, and it's always a pleasure to, to hear your voice and uh, Tina to get folks to understand what's happening at the Erie County Redevelopment Authority. And I think the title pretty much says it, Chief Executive Officer. So I think the buck stops on your desk, but also a lot of the planning, the forward thinking, the different items that need to go on, say, in the next year are all on your desk as well. If we could ask a couple questions, and first, before we get too far, could you just outline the organization, uh, how it started, what's its mission and purpose? That's a great question, Tom, because most people don't really know or understand what an authority is. So we were created actually back in 1965 uh, under the Municipal Authorities Act um, of the Commonwealth. And the purpose is to, in this case, uh, assist business growth, economic growth in Erie County. Uh, We do that in a number of ways. We do it through loans to businesses. Years ago, under the Schenker administration, he um, he capitalized the loan program at $8 million, and that program has now grown to over $50 million. We uh, also do real estate development, redevelopment uh, in particular, which is tackling some of these lighted buildings. And uh, we also do grant administration. We're a certified economic development organization for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which gives us a certain access to loans and grants. So in essence, Tom, we're pretty broad, but well-rounded agency designed to help move uh, Erie County forward. Now, you mentioned one big number there. I think I heard the number 50 million. Does that mean for our part of the world or is that statewide? No, what that means, it's our part of the world. We have um, created a one-stop shop for business lending. And we have put a num- we have brought in a number of different programs, and those different programs have allowed allow us to lend out fifty million dollars to um, local businesses. Now a lot of that is already on the street, so as it gets paid back, we lend it back out. So right now we are doing loans as small as twenty thousand. We call those micro loans all the way up to million-dollar loans. So depending on the needs of the business, we're here to assist. So you've taken a snapshot. Your organization has taken a snapshot of the greater needs in our area. And then as folks come to you, you measure how much of a positive effect you can have by putting the money in the right places? You could say that. we, um, From the lending standpoint, we often partner with banks. Uh, we serve mm. as a gap financer sometimes. Uh, a uh, bank doesn't want to do 100% of the project and will come in and do part of it. That's on the larger projects. The smaller ones we, you know, will often finance directly. We look at job creation. We look at whether they're, you know, addressing blight or they're filling a vacant building. What is the net benefit of us lending? And um, we always ask the question, you know, uh, what's the risk versus the reward? And um, if we can help, we want to help because we want to grow businesses. Because when you grow businesses, you grow jobs. Talk a little bit, if you would, about your staff. I'm sure you have a team here. You've done quite a bit of work over the years there. How do you execute that? Who helps you with all the projects? Well, we have uh, 
Your listeners may know him, Chris Groner. He's the vice president of um, capital finance and lending. So he oversees the, the lending arm of our operation. Mm-hmm. And then we've got project managers who oversee the individual real estate projects. Uh, we have a well-rounded, experienced group of folks who um, have done projects in the past, uh, from Knowledge Park to um, the Sheko Business Park to um, we have a brownfield specialist and someone who you know understands the environmental concerns of of a lot of these industrial lighted properties we're tackling right now. Yeah, we've got a stack of eight or nine people right now. Excellent. You know, some people drive down, let's just pick a street, 12th Street, and they see the glass being totally empty, this building, that building. I I see it, the glass is half full. There's so many, I believe, opportunities, real estate, open space now that uh, could really make redevelopment in our area really boom in the next few years? What, what, what are your thoughts about that? So uh, years, a couple of years ago, the chamber did um, a study in a competitive realities target industry report. And um, one of the things that they found is that, you know, they rated us on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, one of the key thing outcomes was that Erie County does not have adequate ready-to-go sites. Businesses um, want move-in ready. So, in fact, they said that the lack of available ready-to-go sites was Erie's biggest Achilles heel. No, no site, no project, right? Mm-hmm. So what we've done is taken that report and made it our mission to develop ready-to-go sites. And um, 12th Street is a perfect example of how we can do that. Mm-hmm. When we say ready-to-go, I mean, in the old days, they wanted shovel-ready. Now they want moving ready That means you've got to have what I like to call smart sites, sites that are truly ready-to-go. They've got the water infrastructure, the electrical broadband, um, we just need fit it out. Well, the easiest way to get there is to take some of these sites on 12th Street that have all that infrastructure and restore them. And, and you're doing a couple of things when you do that. You're improving the real estate, but you're also improving the psyche of our community, right? Yes. When you take a prospective business person you don't want to take them down 12th Street because it's, um, you know, it's not attractive. And disinvestment, which is what we've seen over the years, is just as harmful as or more harmful than not having a site at all. So um, we're tackling these with the help of the city, county, um, state resources. We are tackling these sites so that we can get them back into productive use. And some of these have some interesting environmental issues, I'm thinking. That's significant environmental issues, um, which is why we need to have a brownfields, what we call brownfield specialist on site. Brownfields are essentially former industrial sites that are now contaminated and understanding how to work with the DEP which is Pennsylvania's Department of Environmental Protection, and the EPA is so critical because you want to do it right. Mm -hmm. You want them to be safe. 
and you want to minimize any risks that might be um, tied to those sites. So we've been working hard on the former Erie Malleable Iron site. Yes. Um, we've been working on a site at 15th and Myrtle that well, we're going to do a groundbreaking on in the next week. Oh, great. For a new uh, 90,000 square foot warehouse and distribution center. And we've also been working on a terribly contaminated site at 16th and French. So big undertaking, but uh, important work, I think. All I see is a large bill because you have to bring in, first of all, have all the science and technology there. You have to have a total understanding of what you're getting into. You have the site. You probably have some history. Are you bringing people from out of town to do these studies, or do we have qualified people that can do the environmental study, say, on a piece of property that you'd like to turn into a reusable brownfield site? So about two years ago, uh, just when I took this position, we um, received a $560,000 EPA grant. Mm. And that grant came with a consultant. So that consultant has been working with us directly. It's AMO Environmental. They're outside of uh, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. They come up here frequently, work with us, work with our specialist and have helped us determine the path forward for each of these. And because we had that large grant, it paid for a great deal of the work. How far out do you plan on these things? You've got projects that are going to turn into fruition very soon. How far out do you look? Do you have a, an itinerary of things you would like to see developed? Well, I have a long list in my head. Yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're thinking about it. You can only juggle so many, yeah. so many of these at one time because they're, yeah. they're mega undertakings. I mean, it's taken us a full year to clean up the site at 16th and French so that we're ready oh. to demolish it. Yeah, that's that was yeah. not an easy task. No, and the one at former EMI, mm -hmm. uh, Malibu Iron at 12th and Cherry. Same thing. It's a little more than a year to clean that up. That was really a big undertaking. So both of those sites um, will do demolition. This uh, will site it on French will begin next week, and um, we hope later this summer the Erie Malibu Iron will begin demolition. We did take down the overhead bridge, which yes, um, mm -hmm. the community was uh, I think very thankful for. Mm -hmm. And um, it was not safe. It was literally crumbling. So we had to get that down right away before we even tackled the rest of the building. But um, yeah, we're, you know, once, once these are behind us um, and moving forward with productive reuse, we'll look at, we'll look at the next project. It's sort of interesting because uh, all of a sudden there's a football field where there used to be a, I want to call it a brownfield or a factory, mm -hmm. right? And, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, Amazon up on 23rd Street there, you see the trucks driving in and out. All, I say all of a sudden. It feels that way. To me, a touch of optimism. It, it's a touch of excitement. What do you think of those projects? Uh, mixing well, the, the Amazon project yeah. took about a year to come to fruition. Um, working behind the scenes, they, they didn't want that public. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of projects that are happening behind the scenes or quietly that people don't really talk about. We um, worked closely with Allegheny Beverage, which is out of um, Ohio, to build a, again, 90,000 
that's the magic number, I think, uh, square foot distribution center at the Fairview Business Park. Mm. And they're about ready to open. We are working with um, Shearer's Snack Foods, which is the former Troyer Farms in Waterford. Yes. On a large expansion there that's going to create a couple dozen new jobs and obviously creating quite a bit of uh, construction work. So there are a lot of things happening in Erie, a lot of good things. I'm sure the county and the city are constantly speaking with you, maybe bringing some ideas or you working with them to figure out on what works next, what would be good for everybody here. Uh, absolutely. Um, we've been working very closely with the mayor and uh, his team on these city projects. Um, just met with the county executive last week mm-hmm. about some potential uh, projects that he would like to see. And uh, as a community, as a whole, um, we work closely with the chamber and other folks. Um, been working with um, Bruce Katz, who's looking at uh, helping our community uh, create it. He's referring to as an investment playbook, which will um, prioritize and identify large projects for funding, because right now there's no better time to go after um, state and federal funds for large projects. So with the Infrastructure Act and uh, all of the American Rescue Plan, funding out there. We want to make sure we are able to get our fair share and then some. Okay. Uh, before I get confused, you also uh, facilitated a, a warehouse in Little Italy. Am I right? Or... Yeah, that is uh, the one at 15th and Myrtle. Oh, that's and the 15th and Myrtle one. Okay. That's for Berry Global um, or Berry Plastics, as they're often called, mm-hmm. who um, operates up there now with about 200 I think 240 employees by uh, what we're actually doing is closing off part of Myrtle Street and putting in mm. this new warehouse, which was partly on a brownfield. It was the old Max Silver junkyard. Oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we cleaned that up and now we're going to create this large campus for Berry Plastics that will um, solidify their presence in Erie for decades to come and create some new jobs and it's really a good project because we cleaned up the neighborhood we're expanding and helping Barry expand and it's just it you know it checks multiple boxes and that's what we like with the project we're talking with tina mangine executive director of the erie county redevelopment authority you have a large number of affiliates. I'm going to go on memory. It's been a while, but it seemed to me that you had a lot of direct partners involved in development, of course, the county, relative to financing. They all had letters glued to them, and they all started with Erie County. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would always uh, visit, I think, your old office, and I would say, uh, well, uh, how do you keep track of all this? Now, do you still have all those affiliates? I think there was about six of them, five other than yourself. Yeah, we do. Um, So those affiliates were created over the years to meet specific needs. Um, The Erie General Authority, for example, does RACP grants and some bond financing. The Industrial Development Authority does some bond financing. The Enterprise Development Center is um, is the primary property holder. So just like any large corporation, 
you have arms to it that meet specific needs and you pull those levers when you need to. So they're not all active and um, the redevelopment authority and the enterprise development center are the two most active entities. And, you know, we manage all of those as a way to uh, streamline operations. And so that we're all in sync and we complement one another. Are most of the businesses that are interested in Northwest Pennsylvania, Erie County here, or do you reach out across the country, maybe to other organizations as yourself and say, Hey, we have this here, or we can have this ready for you, say in a year to two years. Uh, how does that work? Do you reach out I'm sure you do, much farther than Erie County. So uh, from a, a lending and real estate development, we can only operate in Erie County, but okay. we reach out to others to bring them here, yes. Um, so about 80% of our work is with uh, existing entities, mm -hmm. expansion projects, um, you know, renovations, whatever might be needed. Uh, the other 20%, give or take, and this fluctuates, Tom, depending on, you know, the economy is bringing in new businesses here. And in many cases, we work hard to save a business. The Hearers mm. Project, the, the one in Waterford, was debating whether to do their expansion at this location or at, an, at a location in um, Ohio. Mm. So working with the state um, who provided them with a, um, uh, an incentive package and um, a good bit of time, we were able to, to secure the project for Erie County. So really important. It was not just the incentive package that made a difference on that project. It was the workforce. Mm. They loved the Waterford workforce, mm. good work ethic, hard workers, you know, no real problems there. And I think that more than anything else is what landed us that expansion. That's wonderful. What about folks who have a touch of entrepreneurship in them? Can they talk with you at all uh, about a project? So we don't do a lot of entrepreneurial work that um, falls mostly to like Ben Franklin Technologies and, and others, but mm -hmm. we do provide some uh, financial assistance when we can. Um, mm -hmm. We work closely with um, others who provide the resources, so that's not our primary function. Um, we try to stay in our lane and um, not compete with our partners. Gotcha. But you do um, make folks aware, especially locally, of all the opportunities for new business people. I'm, I'm thinking. We, we try. And wow. um, we uh, we do have some small grants. We, we have a startup entrepreneurial grant that we provide to those in the creative uh, business. We have... Um, some microloans and other loan programs that uh, we we have available. When we, if we're able to help, we will. But there are others who are better suited for that. 
But you work diligently in making sure there's some space, real estate. Uh, we do. That is um, a primary function. Yeah. Yes. Somebody wants to put 10,020 or maybe 100,000 square feet up. That That's where you work the hardest. You try and find the space. I think that um, the lending is 50% of our oh. effort, and then the, the space is the other 50%. Or you could say I have two teams that are putting in 110% each on That's each right. side, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is probably more accurate, actually. Yeah. So it, it's tough because you have to you, you see everything. You probably drive by it every day, uh, big open spaces, but not a lot in one spot and a lot of old buildings that may present some opportunities. Maybe they would be a better opportunity if they were taken right down to the ground and a nice field was built there to encourage entrepreneurs to build or encourage folks from out of state to come in and build, or better yet, ask some of the great companies we have here to expand. Uh, so you reach down to Corey as well? We do. We cover the entire county, although okay. Corey does have its own um, economic develop redevelopment agency there. So we work with them. Um, and, and help whenever we can um, with whatever they might need. So when we talk about real estate, it is important to note there's two ways to approach it. It's the brownfields rehabbing and then, you know, industrial blighted building. Mm -hmm. and then there's greenfields, which is taking green space and building on it new. Both have advantages and disadvantages. Um, Sometimes a, a green space has, usually it doesn't have infrastructure near it, right? Doesn't have um, water or electric or broadband, and, but it might be off a highway. So that's an advantage, but it might take two years to get the water line and businesses don't always have two years. So, so having businesses or having space that's ready to go is so important so that it even if it's just the shell of a building it's easy then for them to outfit it to their needs right uh, yes uh, so, so uh, that's what i yeah. when i was saying earlier yeah. you know ready to go move in ready that's what businesses are looking at um, not to say we don't show uh, prospective businesses uh, land but the the timing sometimes doesn't work out so if we can take and do some of the pre-work for a business or prospective business, then we are um, creating an advantage over somebody else. Absolutely. And we want to um, we want to have and give Erie every advantage over Dayton or Toledo or you know Jamestown. We we want to make sure that we're as competitive as possible when we're trying to attract the Amazons of the world, or even a smaller business. Boy, we're in the right spot. We're at the capital T of 79 and 90. We're right on the lake. We have the benefit of fresh water, transportation, good workers. We have good workers here. Yep. Uh, it's been a little slow, unfortunately, the last couple of years. Maybe people have moved around. Maybe some folks have stayed and are looking for opportunities. You mentioned that the county and the city work with you all the time. I'm sure Corey works with you all the time. 
Is there a difficulty in that we don't have a lot of big open space, say something for a 100,000 square foot warehouse, or do we have those opportunities? Well, that is uh, on our radar. It's trying to be able to find um, 50, 100 acres or more so that we have um, the sites we need so that if someone needs to build a 300,000 square foot warehouse or manufacturing facility that we're again, prepped and ready to go. So we want to be forward thinking and proactive without taking a whole lot of unnecessary risk. You've mentioned it a couple of times that you work on loans and grants. That's part of your outcomes. What services do you offer in that arena to businesses? Is it a big deal for you or is it just something that goes along with all your other work? No, it's um, it's a fully functioning loan department. Last mm. year we did over $12 million in oh, loans okay. to local businesses. Um, so yeah, we, we do loans ranging from 20,000 all the way up to a million and it's, um, it's active. When we evaluate these um, applications um, diligently, we work with banks whenever, often a bank calls us and says, hey, can you help say, us out here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, it's, a, it's yeah. a good part of our operation. Well, it's That's nice. important part. Yeah, it's nice to know that the banks are cooperating, but I know they like to dip their toe in the water, but sometimes, as you mentioned prior, it's difficult for them to do it by themselves. So to have a, an entity as yourself and maybe even the state or even the federal government to step in, it makes them feel a little bit better about their investment. Sometimes uh, these projects have two sources of you know capital, a bank and us, mm. and sometimes they have five or six, eight different sources of capital. When you hear people say, oh, they're building out the capital stack, that means that, you know, there's multiple folks investing in one form or another. So that's not unusual. And it's not unusual for us to be part of that stack to get the deal over the finish line. That's got to make for some very interesting meetings and probably some interesting stories to tell down the road for uh, Erie County here. I feel it's exciting to a degree that this is really happening here. We're glad well, you're the, here. The Barry Warehouse Project that, um, on, it, on Myrtle Street that we just spoke of has eight different sources of capital involved multiple grants as well as uh, loans. So that's just how you get these big, big projects done. It's a nearly $10 million project and uh, you don't do those with just one loan from a bank. No, but what I do hear in your voice and in some of your descriptions, this is a great place to develop a business. This is really, absolutely. yeah, it's pretty pretty good. What I like about Erie is you're not too far from a lot of things. You can move trucks in and out pretty quickly. Uh, we're in a great location. Um, uh, the highway, as you spoke of, uh, I mean, actually, we are within a day's drive of 50% of North America's population. Oh. Philadelphia to New York City to Toronto to Chicago to Nashville in a day. Yes. And um, so if you're shipping um, via truck, that's pretty, that's a pretty important um, 
you know, component because nobody wants their truckers to have to no. do a two-day run, right? No. And, and when you think about it, our roads oh, have been set up this way for a long, long time from East 12th all the way across. And you think of all the big uh, businesses going from Amsco to Lord to Zern mm-hmm. that were there. We're just sort of rebuilding that for the 21st century. That's exactly right, Tom. Any last thoughts, anything on your mind that would encourage people to come talk to you at least? Well, I think you, you know, when you said that we're a good place to do business, you're absolutely right, right. We have all the tools that your major cities have. We have all the assets that anybody needs. This truly a skilled workforce. Um, and our agency can be that facilitator, if not that direct conduit to help you get your business where it needs to go. So I'm always happy to talk to anyone and entertain any ideas or needs that somebody might have. Tina Mangine, Chief Executive Officer of the Erie County Redevelopment Authority. Thank you. Best way to find you? Get to the website or can they call you? What are your website. Give me a call, send me an email. ECRDA.net, right? That's it. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Well appreciated. I'd like to have you back in a little bit to talk about some other projects in detail, if you don't mind. And Tina Menjean, thank you for visiting with us today. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate your time. Welcome to We Question and Learn. This is Tom Pies. We're celebrating our 18th year here on the air at WQLN Public Media. We're on NPR One as well and about a half a dozen other podcast venues, so the program is not hard to find. All the programs are archived there in case you want to um, go back and listen to something um, that you remembered was interesting. Today, two very special guests. I'm so proud to have them both here because this is a great topic. It's an important topic, actually. And uh, Becca Swick is with me right now on the phone. And Becca, you are the Director of Marketing and Public Education for the Site Center of Northwest Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah, for their National Diabetes Prevention Program. Excellent. And your title for the Site Center itself, please? Uh, I mean, I guess it would be the same title. Same thing, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that goes under duties as assigned. So you're you're, you're in good shape and you're doing a good job. And Lana Thank Kunick, uh, you're technically or officially, let's say, the Program Director, am I right? Correct. Okay, I got one right. Uh, we're on our way. And uh, let's just start with about a, a minute or so talking about where you are, and that's at the Site Center of Northwest Pennsylvania. Now, you're up on West 26th Street there. Talk a little bit for a minute, if you would, uh, about the Site Center first. Sure. Um, the Site Center, um, a, lot of, a lot of folks locally are very familiar with us because they've had family members or friends that have have utilized our services over the years. Um, We are an 83-year-old nonprofit that is housed here in Erie, Pennsylvania. And you're right, we're at 2545 West 26th Street. Um, For anybody that, you know, throughout this program has questions, our direct dial number at the center is 814-455-0995. Uh, but as a whole, our organization um, came to be uh, to help those with blindness and profound vision loss to remain independent. Um, the other uh, aspect that we really try to cover and serve in the area is uh, the prevention of blindness where possible. Um, so we really kind of wear two hats. As far as uh, keeping people independent, we do a lot of 
transportation. We get people to and from medical appointments and critical service that, services that they need within the, the community. Um, as far as the prevention of blindness, we do, um, oh my goodness, so many uh, preschool vision screenings every year. Um, and then what we're gonna talk about today, which is the Diabetes Prevention Program, that is the national program. And the Sight Center does deliver that program because diabetic eye disease is the leading cause of blindness in uh, our country. And uh, you have, you're a licensed registered, oh, hang on, let me get this correct. You have about three titles here. I thought this said LPN, but that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a, a, a jack of all trades and master of none. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no these are degrees, I have, folks. These are <laughs> real yeah. degrees you have listed here. Yeah, no, I, I started out as a social worker and I did um, get a master's degree in public education and I am also a licensed practical nurse. And most recently, and I think most proudly, um, I am now a certified lifestyle coach to instruct the National Diabetes Prevention Program. That's fabulous because that's exactly what folks need who are facing that um, dilemma, so to speak, in their lives. And one last question for you. Uh, you can tell us how you got involved with the site Center. Well, I have a crazy history. My father was actually an, the executive director here for many decades. Yes, yes. And so this um, this agency is very, very special to me for many reasons. But um, they were looking for a social worker a few years ago, and I kind of fell back into that position. And when I really started learning about this program that Lana has been running for so many years so masterfully, um, my heart has always been in disease prevention, so it was just a no-brainer to come on board with her and really help to try to promote this program. And that's the perfect segue, Lana. That's your cue. You are the program director. Tell us a little bit about you and your duties. Sure. I'm the program director here at the Site Center. I'm also a lifestyle coach and a master trainer for the program. I began this journey about 10 years ago, when I worked for the Erie County Department, I'm sorry, the Erie County Diabetes Association, um, we started, you know, I went to Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh, I became certified, and I brought the program to Erie under that umbrella, under the Diabetes Association. We closed our doors in 2017 there, and Linda Moore, the CEO of the Site Center, and I were collaborating, figuring out how we could bring this program to the site center to help prevent blindness. And we decided that the best way to do it was just to bring me in and begin. So we started our first class here as a staff. Every, every employee of the site center joined this diabetes prevention mm, program. Excellent. excellent. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's wonderful because everyone here is invested. They know what the program is about. Um, and they, they, I like to believe that when they graduated, they were quite a bit more knowledgeable on, on health and nutrition. So, and the risk for diabetes were decreased. Well, now we've so, framed all that. And that was an excellent outline, by the way. Let's talk about uh, diabetes, the types of diabetes. And, and both of you can go right in and explain how this is a serious situation, so to speak, for Northwest Pennsylvania. Sure. Well, the, the form of diabetes that we focus on in the, in the program is the prevention of type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. Type 2 just means that your body does not produce insulin properly. And some of that can be due to genetics, such as, you know, family history that causes you to have insulin sensitivities. 
but a lot of it has to do with lifestyle change. And that's where our program comes in. Our program, the National Diabetes Prevention Program, is a lifestyle intervention. So we work with the type 2 people with pre-diabetes to prevent the onset of type 2. There's also type 1 diabetes, which is usually diagnosed earlier on um, and where you know lifestyle interventions are still important, if not. Yeah, type 1 is, is more an autoimmune situation where mm -hmm. there is no production of insulin. Mm -hmm. So you know there is kind of limited uh, limited impact that that those type of things can can have. Obviously, living a healthful life is important for everyone. Yes. Um, but we really try to work on, you know, the, the stuff that we can actually prevent and reverse, um, which does focus on the type two, if that makes sense. Yes. You're affiliated with a larger program, the National Diabetes Prevention Program. Could you talk about that and how, how did that all start? The National Diabetes Prevention Program was created in 2010. It was created to address the increasing burden of type two diabetes and prediabetes in the United States. The study took place over a span of 20 years. And throughout that 20 years, um, they introduced 3,000 individuals to different interventions to help decrease the risk of diabetes. So one of the interventions was, was metformin, a medication that is used to decrease your, increase the on, or decrease the onset of type 2 diabetes. The second intervention was the placebo, just to see if mind over matter would help decrease your chances. And the third intervention was the DPP, this Diabetes Prevention Program, Lifestyle Change. Um, at the end, just in a quick nutshell, you know, in a nutshell, mm -hmm. at the end of the study, they, it showed that people who took metformin, yes, the medication did decrease the risks of diabetes um, by 31%, but mm -hmm. those who took place in the lifestyle change decreased the risk by 58%, and those over the age of 60 decreased the risk by 71%. So when the CDC got a hold of this, it was a no-brainer. They had to put their stamp of approval on this program because the proof is in the pudding. Lifestyle intervention is more effective and is the first line of defense against diabetes before medication. So how does this program benefit a person who you consult or who comes to you for advice? They're, when they come into the program, they are assigned a certified lifestyle coach that works with them on achieving two big goals. So the number one goal is to lose 7% of whatever their starting body weight is, their baseline weight. And the second goal is to increase their physical activity to 150 minutes per week. And that just boils down to 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And all we ask of them is just for a brisk walk. So they can choose to do whatever they want you know, if they want to swim or go to the gym, but we don't put a lot of um, expectations. Let's just get walking. Now, those are two main goals, and there's a lot that goes under those goals, um, such as cognitive restructuring, label reading, portion control, all of those things that can be very difficult in this world to do with busy lives, and if you just don't have the, the skills yet to do those things. The reason that that 7% weight loss is assigned is through this, throughout this study, they're finding that a 7% weight loss is enough to bring down your blood pressure, your triglycerides, your cholesterol, and your blood sugars. So that's your number one goal, lose 7% of whatever your starting body weight is. And you do that alongside a coach who's using a Center for Disease Controlled Recognized Curriculum to help you achieve that goal. So there's some expectation to change lifestyle, but they're not 
that difficult. You're not asking people to do 100 push-ups, run 10 miles, or get into some outlandish aerobics at a gym. This is just common sense to some degree, right? It is. It's common sense. And what your coach does and the group does is it helps keep you accountable. And the fact that the program is a 12-month lifestyle intervention ensures that once they graduate the program, they've had enough um, opportunity to really learn and apply what they've learned through their lifestyle. The This is not something that we can do in six to eight weeks. We are working with people who are reversing habits that most likely have taken hold of them when they were children. So it's, it's an ongoing 12-month lifestyle intervention. And that seems scary to some because that's a, a commitment. But I believe that that's one of the main reasons that this program is so successful. So diet is critical. Um, do you consult in that area as well? We, we give a lot of nutrition guidance. Mm-hmm. So we're, we are facilitators. Our, the coaches are facilitators and we're guides. We stick to the curriculum and the curriculum is awesome. So anything that that participant needs to know, such as meal prep, um, fat and calorie intake recommendations, sodium intake, it's all there with reputable resources. And what we do as the coaches, we reinforce that curriculum. So the National Diabetes Prevention Program, how long have they been around and did they um, establish the benchmarks for these programs? Did they do the research, so to speak? Yes, they did the research and they established the milestones or the benchmarks for the program, which are what we we spoke about earlier, that 7% weight loss, that increased physical activity. And there's also, um, I'm sorry, the the physical activity. Mm -hmm. And also there are other wellness markers that that we report to the Center for Disease Control, such as what were your blood glucose numbers when you arrived in the program and what were they when you exited the program? So just because the program, the National Diabetes Prevention Study has completed, we still are giving ongoing data that proves that this program is effective at preventing disease. This is somewhat recent, may I guess in the last 10 years, last five years, where it's become critical in our society? Well, uh, Congress actually adopted this program in 2010. Um, So, and right now, I believe, Lana, if I'm correct, 48 states are attempting to Mm -hmm. deliver this program right now. So 48 out of 50 of our United States Mm -hmm. are really making this a priority and reaching out to our communities through agencies such as the site center. Um, So they try to find agencies that will give this program a home and do the work for it to deliver it to the community. Um, you know, it, it is so critical because, you know, most of us, we, we, we are not aware of the prevalence of prediabetes in our community. Um, we can say that in, in our area, um, of those people who are not diagnosed as diabetic, a third of those people um, that are not currently diabetic are actually pre-diabetic. Mm. And I mean, that that's, to me, those odds I don't like that. Um, you know, if I'm standing in a room with two of my friends, I'm going to look at my friend to the left and my friend to the right. And I know that one of the three of us probably has prediabetes. And that is, those are not odds that I want to play. That's scary. Now that reflects back on our lifestyles, our eating habits, uh, sitting at desks all day long, probably. Um, Definitely. Yeah. You know, the medical community, um, they're really calling a sedentary lifestyle the new smoking. Um, so that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty profound statement. 
Um, and again, you mentioned something, Tom, that I really think is is worth expanding. Um, you know, this is this program is not something radical. Um, the reason that you know I really think that it's effective is it's it, it is just delivered in such a how shall I even say it's just such an easy pace that I find that a lot of the participants I work with they're shocked and amazed when they come in and on a weekly basis, they see their weight going down, they feel their energy increasing, and they say, you know, geez, we really didn't do anything that radical. We're just reading some labels and making a few different choices, but it really is amazing. It's, it's like pennies in the jar, you know, those good decisions, they really add up. And that's why this is a program that can be sustained through a lifetime is it's not asking you to give up a whole food group or, you know, go on some crazy diet. Um, we really try to stay away from that word. I mean, this is just, this is a different focus on a healthy lifestyle overall. Now, are there group programs? Do folks get together? Do you have classroom training as well? Currently, all of our programming is in person. Mm -hmm. We do um, groups of about 10, we, around 10 to 15. And that's really another beautiful aspect of the program is the in-person group setting. Mm -hmm. A lot of our participants become friends and they, they talk to each other outside of group. They support one another outside of group. So if you, you know, when we exit interview our participants and we ask them, what are some of the things that you found most valuable about the program, that network of support that they receive from their group is top of the list. We're talking with Becca Swick and Lana Kunick uh, from the Site Center of Northwest Pennsylvania. Um, Becca, could you talk about the reach of the of the Site Center? How, how you, you mentioned four counties, or, or give us a a little bit of a geographic picture of how far you folks travel. Right. Um, so for the National Diabetes Prevention Program, which is this program under the auspice of the Site Center, um, we are in the four counties that Lana had mentioned. Um, Erie, Crawford, Venango, and Warren currently with our sites to spread out further throughout Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, the site center itself, um, it, the official title, of course, is the site center of Northwest Pennsylvania. Um, the site center covers the north, uh, Northwest counties, seven of the Northwest counties in Pennsylvania for services such as um, transportation for those who are blind or low vision, um, and then, of course, we have sister agencies throughout the remainder of Pennsylvania that covers the entire state for those types of supportive services. And of course, there's a national program that you interface with as well. Absolutely, that, that's where that's where Lana comes in. This is all, uh, boy, she has her hands full uh, getting all this information back because you know what we really want to do is we want to keep expressing that you know this program is necessary. It is making a difference. And you know, our catchphrase is we really want to turn the tide of preventable type two in our community because it's rising. Um, we, we do see that rates, especially in adolescent uh, adolescence is, is growing as mm. far as type two diabetes and that's scary. Um, yeah, are you talking about overweight children, children with bad diets, obviously children with symptoms of diabetes? You know, all of that, um, mm. you know, and, and unfortunately, and this isn't blaming anything, it's the world we live in. Um, but we do have to take steps to really, really reverse that, um, you know, not to age myself or anything, but, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, we didn't, when we were kids, a lot of us, we didn't play video games all the time. We, you know, went outside, 
we didn't have access to fast food 24 seven. I mean, now you don't even have to drive through the drive through to get your Big Mac, you can have it delivered to your door. Yes. We just live in such an automated society um, that, you know, there's there's no blame here. But the fact is, throughout the normal course of a day, we don't get the exercise that we used to get. Um, we don't have the more healthful home-cooked meals that we used to have. Um, it's not, you know, again, it's not, it's not a blaming situation, but if we want to reclaim our health, we do have to really put in the time to be active and get the good fruits and vegetables into our diet and really be accountable for that, or we're going to pay the price. Can we talk about your lifestyle coaches? How does one get to be one? What are the qualifications necessary? How many do you have? We currently have five um, lifestyle coaches on our fleet. We call it a fleet of coaches and we are looking for more. What we do is we hook them up with a, um, recognized training site. So you have to, you have to work through specific CDC recognized training sites. And since the pandemic, one silver lining is these coaches are able to do this training via internet. So they can do it through their computer. Mm. It's a four day training, four days, eight hour training. You don't have to have any special requirements. You don't have to be an LPN or an RN. You just have to be a self-motivated person with an understanding of health and wellness. And you have to be able to um, interface with all different types of people in all different walks of lives. And myself as the director of the program, I have a strict policy that I will only open you know, our invitation to coaches who are empathetic. We only hire empathetic coaches mm -hmm. because we need the person to be in the feeling because this is a lot about nutrition, but this is also a lot about understanding why people do what they do. This is a big deal nowadays. I'm guessing that you find quite a few volunteers for for the life coach position. Yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> I, I would love to have volunteers who would want to do this program because it's not. I guess I'm speaking for myself and maybe Becca. We're very passionate about what we do. It's not a huge time commitment if someone wanted to come in and take a cohort or two. And really, it is uplifting to see the changes that that you are helping people make, you know, see their energy levels and their their spirits be lifted and their health improving. It is well beyond worth it, I guess, would be how I would put it. It is it's a wonderful experience and you get to meet so many amazing people. And really, you learn along the way, too, as a coach. You're you're learning life lessons. Listening to the two of you, it's also very gratifying, I can tell. I can see you both are enjoying yourself as well. It is amazing, Tom. You know, I, I'm so thankful to have been, been brought on. I've only been doing this for a year. Lon has been doing it for 10 years. Wow. I have to say, this has been a year of, I mean, sometimes in life, you, you kind of wonder, if you're making an impact, <laughs> you know, you try really hard with what you're doing in, in coaching this program. Like Lana said, you see people come back from, you know, their follow-up checkups and they're like, my doctor was so happy. I'm, I'm getting down you know, because we also see people, you know, they really do. They get out of that pre-diabetic range. They get out of like what we call the danger zone. And that's, that's a very good feeling. That's very freeing. Um, you know, and we always tell people, you know, little, little changes mean a lot. I know this is one that Lon always uses, but you know, when you lose one pound of body weight, you take the equivalent of seven pounds of pressure off of your joint. Wow. So well, that is that an indication of something nowadays, isn't it? That's 
pretty doggone important to tell people it's those little victories. So, I mean, you can have somebody that comes into your program, they lose six, seven, eight pounds, and they feel like a new person already. And the goodness, it just is, I say, it's like falling down that really good hill. Yeah. It gets, it gets better and better. Now, this may be a tough question, and maybe there's no good answer, but do you have relatively healthy people come in and ask for help? That makes sense. It, we get a mixture. You know, as a prevention program, it's just in the title, prevention. So a lot of people aren't as compelled to reach out if they're not feeling symptoms yet. But we do get a lot of doctor's referrals through blood draw. So they'll see that that participant's okay. in the pre-diabetes range. They might feel okay, but they still give us a call and say, hey, what can you help us do? And we give them the background of the program. But I would say the majority of people that come into our program are experiencing fatigue or, you know, their their blood work just isn't looking right. Their triglycerides are rising and, and they just want to know, what can I do? A lot of people have low, you know, the low energy, hurting ankles, hips, you know, all of that stuff that comes along with age at some point. Mm -hmm. But also, like Becca shared, when they start to change the way they're eating and they start to move their bodies and lose the weight, it seems like that just fades away. Their, their energy levels are increased. They're able to get up and down off of the floor. Um, yes. And that keeps them coming. And currently we're at about an 83% retention rate for a year long program. And what that says to me is it's not, you know, that Becca and myself and our coaches are so amazing. It's that once you feel good, you don't want to quit. You want to continue moving on and learning more so that you don't have to be sick any longer. The equivalent of a runner's high, so to speak, without all the running, right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, Becca, as, as you get into these programs, the diabetes program, the National Diabetes Prevention Program, and all the hard work you're doing, that came, as we inferred earlier, from the concept that losing your sight is is like a trigger. It, it lets you know that there's another biological thing going on. In this case, we're talking about diabetes causing vision loss. And either one of you can answer this. Are there other things that happen to folks that are typical? As far as with the diabetes? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so prediabetes and diabetes, um, you know, they are, they walk hand in hand with so many other things such as heart disease, um, stroke. Um, Lana, help me out here. Amputation. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, gosh, yes. Mm. And not only diabetic retinopathy, but if you have diabetes, you're at higher risk for many different eye diseases, glaucoma. Uh, diabetes puts you at higher risk for um, memory loss, early onset dementias. It, it comes with a slew of other not so great side effects other than just vision loss. You know, and let me just ping pong off of that. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, COVID. Um, mm. yes. You know, uh -huh. we are seeing more and more research that shows diabetes is one of the most dangerous comorbidities along with COVID. Um, you know, you are, your body is working so hard to stabilize your sugars at all times. You know, you don't have the energy to fight off infection and things like that. So, I mean, it just in this day of who knows when the next strain is coming along, you know, the healthier and more hardy you can be to face whatever is around the corner, you really want to put that wellness in your pocket and make that investment because we are seeing so many diabetic complications with COVID. And of course, people just don't have one malady, it seems nowadays. They go to the doctor and they're on three or four scripts, this being one of them. It's an eye-opener to hear you folks talk about this. Uh, do you have plans for the next couple of years relative to expanding the program? How could folks help you out? We do. We have plans to move across the state, really. I mean, our oh. vision is mm -hmm. to, to not compete with other diabetes prevention programs across the state, but complement. 
So within the next two years, we're looking to be in the central PA area and how people can help would be, you know, we do need lifestyle coaches for sure. Um, physicians, we need to increase our physicians referral. We actually call them recommendations because you can be a self-referral. You don't have to join, enroll in the program through a doctor's referral, but patients take their doctor's referrals very seriously. And we see a conversion rate from enrollment to, uh, I'm sorry, interest to enrollment is much higher when that, when that interest came from a doctor's referral. So we need our doctors to really think about this, take, you know, we went to every physician in this area and gave them recommendation pads, just write out the recommendation, let the person call us. And another thing you can do is take a risk test. You can call us here, take a 30 second risk, risk test. It's a series of, I think, eight questions. And what it does is determine, are you at risk for developing type two diabetes? And if you are, what can you do today to start decreasing that risk? Very important point. How do folks get in touch with you and talk about the website, if you would? Sure. The easiest way to get a hold of us and take a risk test is just to simply call us. And our phone number here at the site center is 814-455-0995. And, you know, you would ask for Lana or Becca. And we'll give you that test right over the phone. Um, and then we also do have a website if you want to get on the site and learn more about the program. And it is www.sitecenternwpa.org. Right. Any last thoughts? Let's go back to planning for the future. Uh, if someone wanted to participate in the program, be it a life coach or better yet, maybe a physician is listening to this and they would like to help out. Talk about that if you would. Uh, well, definitely. If anyone feels that this is calling to them as far as, you know, potentially becoming a life, lifestyle coach um, and helping to deliver the program, please definitely, uh, as Lana said, call the site center at 814-455-0995. Ask for one of us and we will have that discussion. Um, if there is a physician, a nurse practitioner, a dietitian, a physical therapist, um, uh, anyone in the medical community that touches the lives of people in our community. If you see someone that is struggling with, uh, you know, being overweight, being pre-diabetic, not getting um, the activity that they need and needing that, that guidance, please do not hesitate to, um, you know, refer to the program. If for some reason someone calls in and it's just not a good fit, we will make sure that you have the resources to get what you need elsewhere. Um, we, we just want to make sure, I mean, my, my personal feeling is it scares me to death that, that a third of our population is pre-diabetic. The other piece is 90% of those people who are pre-diabetic have no idea about it. Isn't that so scary? It's right it, in front of your nose and you don't realize it. it it's really yeah. scary. And, and here's the thing. Our first step is we want people who are pre-diabetic to just know it. And then it's their choice to do something about it or to, you know, wait for the diabetes to, to, to come to pass. Um, it, it just should be your right to know that you have this going on and that you do have a choice. You don't have to go down that road. There are things um, that steps that you can take and we're here to guide through that. So never, never a silly question about, your, you know, your health and welfare or your eyesight. Um, our, our main our main, I guess, um, ask today is, you know, call the center with any questions that you would have related to prediabetes or type 2 diabetes or lifestyle situations, and we will definitely do our best to help you out. Well, Becca Swick and Lana Kunick, you're both outstanding individuals in your field. I can say that because I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in your expertise. We want to thank you for participating in this program today, and thank you for the good education. You're Thanks. so welcome. Thank you, Tom. Yes, thank you.